0: Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Encounter in our life. Most of us will go through our life trying to figure out how to deal with relationships. Um, or, or just being lonely, and so hopefully we can figure out how to do that. Today is small group Sunday. We're launching small groups today. Super excited about that. If you've never been, in, yeah, yes. If you have never been in a small group, I'm going to give you great reason today to get into a small group. Let me just tell you though, it is awesome and it is fun and it is not. Um, if, if if I remember the first time I went to a small group being hesitant to jump in, being hesitant to go. You know, you're going to somebody's house, you know, you're like, is this person a serial killer? Are they going to be weird? You, know, you don't know what they're going to do. Um, but it is a great experience, and I think that God designed us all to do life this way. Hey, let's pray we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for each and every person here. God, I pray that today you would speak to us. I pray that it would be your words and not my words. I pray that we would be able to hear your voice. God, I pray that you would... Move our heart like only you can. Pray that we would get a little closer to you and a little closer to people today, God. Bless us, keep us, watch over us, protect us, let us hear from you. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So, you know, we always say the the four things that we do at Valley Rise, know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Small groups fall into number two, find freedom. We find freedom in small groups because while this is great and Sunday is awesome and the preacher's amazing, right? right? Okay, good, good. Just making sure we're on the same page. While, while all this is great, this is not where real freedom happens. Real freedom happens when you can get alone with someone else. And, and C.S. Lewis said, real freedom happens when you look at someone else and, and you go, oh, you too. Oh, you walk through the same things that I walk through. Oh, you, do, you struggle with the same things that I struggle with. And it's where freedom actually begins to happen in our lives. Most of us go through this process. How many, God has a process to things that he does. And a lot of times we get stage one of the process, which is like get saved. So like they, praise God, you're not going to hell. You're, you're a believer. Jesus is in your heart. You're not going to hell. But then we never move down the process. We never get freed. And so we spend a lot of our time fighting habits and hangups and addictions and frustrations that really God desired to set us free from And not just get us saved, but to allow us to be saved and freed. Because being being saved and not being freed is really only 50% of what God intended for all of us. God never intended you to go through life carrying all the baggage that you had before you got saved. He intended you to get saved, free you from sin, and then free you from all of the things that we've built into our lives over however many years you've been alive on this earth. How many of you know there is a process to everything in life? It doesn't matter what it is, if, it, if it's if it's growth or if it's salvation, there is a process, and sometimes God's process is confusing to us. But I want to help break down what God's process looks like today. How many of you ever put together like something from IKEA? You know, you know, you know the process if you put together something from IKEA. How many IKEA? Anyone ever put anything together? So all of you have cursed a lot. That's what that means. Like you were all serial cursers. You know, how many Legos? You got kids? You put Legos together? Okay. I have to admit, like, I, if I, Legos are the bane of my existence, like my son will come and he doesn't want to do the work. You know, he's just like, "Hey, can you build the Death Star for me?" And like, it's like seven thousand pieces, and I'm like, "What is it?" It says we need toothpicks. What do we need toothpicks for? Like, why is you just need all kind of crazy stuff for it. But the process is you start going through it, and they have different steps that don't make sense in there. Sometimes IKEA, they like put the drawers, put the, the doors on before the like, things even put together. You're like, why would I do that? That's not even going to work. So you don't put them on. Then you get to the end, and you realize like there's a pin that will only fit if the doors are on. So you got to take the whole thing apart, put the pin in, and then reassemble it. I don't know why they build it like that, okay? If you work for IKEA, please tell them to stop doing that. But... I believe that God's processes are oftentimes the same. Oftentimes, God wants to do something in us and through us that at the moment we go, God, why would I really need to do this? This doesn't seem like something I really need. And it's only till we get later down the road in life that you can turn around and go, wow, if I would have had that at the beginning, it would have saved me a lot of trouble all the way through. That is what relationships are. God gives us relationships that maybe even right now you go, God, why would you have me be friends with? Why do I got to be next to this? Why do I got to work next to this? Be close to this person? That down the road you will turn around and go, only God knew what that relationship was destined for. Only God. When I was in the Air Force, for those of you who don't know, I spent four years in the Air Force. I was a medic. And um, I, I did, part of my time, I did a thing called honor guard. So that's where you'd go and, like, bury people. You know, you do the flag folds and, like, shoot the guns, the gun salutes and all that. And um, my... my the guy over me, my flight chief, who was like over in charge of all, our whole section, he just liked me. I don't know why he liked me. He just, he just, he, he just liked me. And we would have really good conversation. And, and I'd go into his office, and no one, everybody was very scared of him, very scared of him. He was an intimidating guy. I would go in there and we would just have these awesome talks. And he'd go, man, no one's ever talked to me like this. No one's ever said these things. When you talk about Jesus, something comes alive in you. And we just begin to develop a great friendship. We would hang out. And I remember one time we went, Alex and, and his wife and all of us went on a boat ride. And he goes, you're the first person that I've ever been the boss of in the Air Force that I've ever hung out with outside of work. I said, why is it? He goes, I don't know. There's just something different about you. Okay, flash forward 10 years later. I've now walked this man through through his wife leaving him twice, through his kids being taken away. And the last time we're on the phone and he's going, I just don't understand why would God let this happen. I said, I don't know, but I do know that God saw fit to put me in your life 10 years ago so that he knew you would be needing this relationship 10 years down the road. And while it didn't make sense then, now it makes a ton of sense on the other side of the journey. I mean, no, God wants to put relationships like that in your life. That right now maybe it doesn't make sense why you need to build with people, why you need to do life with people, why you need these relationships. But down the road it will make sense. I want to talk to you today about a key relationship that we see happen in scriptures and how we have to develop these things. Oftentimes people ask me why, Christian, why do I need these? Why do I need to be vulnerable with someone? Why do I need to get together and share with someone? You go to a small group, we get together and share. And Here's what I say about a small group. It's a place where you can take your mask off. Okay, we all wear a mask. You know, I know, you, you wear a mask, I, I'm wearing a mask right now, I'm pastor Christian right now, your church attender right now, whatever. We all wear a mask that when you go home, you take it off with someone. Someone sees you're ugly. You know what I mean? Maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your kids, Maybe, but, but you don't have to take it off with everybody. Don't, don't, don't take your mask off like with everybody. Don't take it off here. You know what I mean? The people that take it off everywhere and it's a little weird. You're like, listen, we don't need to know all those problems, okay? Like, I just asked how your day was. I didn't even know that you and your husband got in a fight over you using his toothbrush and now you're going to throw the toothbrush away and like, I don't need to know all that, okay? Just ask how your day was. You don't have to take it off with everybody, but you got to take it off with someone at some point in life. Scripture tells us in James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another. And this is, where, this is where there's a big, maybe you were raised in a culture where I was. I was raised in a very Catholic culture, very Southern culture. I thought that if I did not confess my sins to somebody, like I was going to hell. Like I would go to bed at night and thank God I had four brothers because I'd be like, hey, Jacob, that's my older brother. He'd be like, yeah, you know, falling asleep. Hey, I just need to tell you that I did a lot of stuff today that I shouldn't have done. And just like I would just confess. I'm like, Phew, okay, now I can go to sleep. You know, now I'm, now I'm good. If the Lord comes back in the middle of the night, he's not going to leave me. I was convinced I needed to confess my sins to someone for forgiveness. But the truth is that's not what Scripture says. Scripture tells us, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. Put up the next verse, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then go back to the James, James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be. We go to God for forgiveness. We go to man for healing. God's design was always in the process that people would, we would need each other to do this thing the right way. That we would need each other for healing. Because how many of you know you have something in your life. That someone else needs. You have a story that someone else needs. You have a struggle that someone else needs. You have a scar that someone else needs. You have things in your life that someone else needs. And it's in your scar that others find healing. And it's in your hardship that others find healing. And it's in your story that others find healing. And they look at you and go man if you can do it. I can get through it too. And we're able to then speak to it and go, hey, let me show you how I got through this. Let me show you how I worked through the pain of the scar. Let me show you how I worked through the pain of my story. Let me show you how. God's design was always that we would do life together. Because when we do life together, we begin to find healing. We find forgiveness from God and healing in each other. I want to tell you a story today about what it takes to find healing. 2 Kings 5.1. Many of you may know this story. I love this story. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. This is the part of most of our lives that we see. Don't read the end part. Just leave it right here. Let me read this to you again. Now, Naaman was the commander of the army, the king of Aram. He was a great man in the side of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. That's most of our highlights. That's the Instagram about Naaman, okay? Naaman's awesome. Naaman's with generals. Naaman's winning wars. Naaman's killing people. Naaman's taking people's stuff. Like this is this is a war hero. Naaman is awesome. This is your Instagram. You know when people look at your Instagram and they go, like, man, your life is awesome. I'll follow you on Instagram. And I'm like, that's like one moment out of like a lot of moments. Like you just say, you think I post like all the bad stuff. I'm like, me and my wife are fighting. Cheese. Like the kids won't obey. Somebody's getting a spanking. Cheese. Like, I'm not... <laughs> You don't see those moments. You know what I mean? We don't, you don't see the moments where we're losing it all and everyone's mad. And they're like, hey, you know what I need to do? Stop and take an Instagram story right now. All right, continue, babe. If I did that, she would murder me. So we, we don't show everyone the bad areas. We show them the victories. We show them the highly regarded. We show them that everybody loves us. We show them all of those things at the beginning. But we all have this last verse. He was a valiant soldier, but... He had leprosy, but he had leprosy. He had a sickness that nobody knew about. He had a sickness underneath his armor, underneath his medals, underneath his victories, underneath his highly regarded, underneath his courageous. He had a sickness that nobody knew about, but he had leprosy. You know why? You know why this verse makes sense to me? is because in order for people to realize that he had leprosy, they had to be really, really close to him. His soldiers that were, he was commanding, they didn't know he had leprosy. The, the people that maybe he just passed in town didn't know he had leprosy. But I bet his wife knew that he had leprosy. I bet his friends that came over and saw him without his armor on knew he had leprosy. Because all of us look great until we're naked. And everybody said amen. I know, I know you're looking at me like, not me, Pastor, I got a six-pack, please. The only six-pack you got's in your fridge, okay? Hey, we all look great until we're naked, And then all of a sudden, you see all the flaws. You see all the areas that you don't want anybody else to see. I love being tall because I can hide a lot of my flaws, you know what I mean? And all the tall people are like, yes, all the short people are like, what do you mean? It means I'm probably like way fatter than most people, but because I'm tall, you just don't realize it. So I tell people, they go, man, you're in shape. I'm like, no, 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 listen, it's like candle wax under here, okay? Like, I'm skinny fat. Like, that's a, it's an illusion, you know? You go in the mirror, the mirror shrinks you down, you look tall, that's what it is. It's an illusion, because no one sees me in my drawers but my wife and kids and the neighbors when i go to walk the kids to the school bus but nobody sees those areas of me but but the people that are really really close to me because all of us look good until we're stripped of our accomplishments until we're stripped of the things that seem good outwardly but inwardly there's secrets you're only as sick as your secrets I love this. A man told me this a long time ago. You are only as sick as your secrets. We all need someone that we can spill our heart to. We all need someone that we can call and go, hey, I've got to tell you some stuff. And I need you to make sure no one's around you. I'm not on speakerphone. You're not recording this conversation. You don't have a notepad near you. I need need some, I just need to spill my guts in confidence. Because you're only as sick as your secrets. Naaman was awesome in war. He was the commander of the army. He was highly regarded by his master. He was winning all these battles. But he had a secret. And he had to find a way to cure his secret. 2 Kings 5, 2. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. I love this turn in the story because isn't it funny? God, God, let me let me just flash forward if you never heard the story. God's gonna heal him, okay? I know, big surprise. He's going to be healed. However, if he's going to be healed, Maybe you don't think like I think, but in my theological brain, I process if he's going to be healed at the end of the story, after he's done all the things God's asked him to do, why didn't God just like heal him at the beginning of the story? Like it's the same God. God didn't change at all in the process. So if he was going to be healed at the end, why didn't God just go, hey, I'm going to save you the time. Don't worry about doing the whole process. Just be healed. Any, Any of you all think that way when you read some of this stuff? Just like, why the process, God? Why don't we just get it right now? And I'll tell you, it's two reasons. One, because we need the process. Because God's trying to heal more than just Naaman outwardly. God's trying to do something on Naaman inwardly. And oftentimes when you're walking through something in life that you're going, God, can you just take this away? God, can you just heal me? God, can you just meet this need? God, can you just, God's going, I'm going to get there with you, but really I need to work on the inside before I can satisfy the things you need outwardly. Because if I give you the things that you need outwardly but you don't change inwardly, you'll end up at the same place again. And a lot of times we want the, we want the miracle. God, just show up and do the miracle. And God's going, I can't until I change you because you're part of the miracle. You're part of the miracle. What I'm creating in you is part of the miracle. Your story is part of the miracle. Your journey is part of the miracle. I think about this little girl who her family's been taken into captivity. They've just beaten some of the tribes of Israel. Now they take this little girl captive. Think about her journey. Think about that story. Nobody wants that story. Nobody wants a story where they break in and kill all your family and then you become somebody else's slave. Like that's not the story any of us want. But God needed her story to tell this man's story. Because all of us play a role in this thing. So she goes, listen, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria. You know why God uses this story this way in this process? is because almost always in our life, it's going to be people that lead us to our miracle. It's going to be people. It's going to be a relationship. It's going to be someone you work with. It's going to be a friend. It's going to be a sibling. It's going to be a spouse. It's going to be someone that leads you to your miracle. God almost always uses people to bring the healing. Could God heal them? Yes. Could God heal them right there when he said, God, I'm sick, I have leverage? Yes, God could have healed him. Why the process then? We've got to ask ourselves. Because God is trying to show us, one, that we need the process, and two, that we need the people. We need the process, and we need the people. 2 Kings 5, this is where we start to get 10. Sorry, 2 Kings 5, 10, I didn't give you the verse. This is where we start to see. Naaman goes, let me just flash forward for you. Naaman goes to the, um, the king of Israel and says, I heard you have a prophet here. I need him to heal me of my leprosy. The prophet, the, the king calls Elisha, and Elisha is now communicating with Naaman and telling him what he needs to do to be healed. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. How many of you know, just so you know, if that's me? If I, have, if, if, if I had cancer, if I had leprosy, if I had some terrible disease that was uncurable, and someone said, go jump in Buffalo Bayou seven times, I'm like, I don't care what's going on in Buffalo Bayou, I'm in. You know, what I like, I grew up in the Atchafalaya Basin of Louisiana, like, I'm going to jump in any water. I didn't know that water wasn't supposed to be brown until, like, I went up north, and people were like, like, they were, this, there was, like, the water was clear. I'm like, you guys have, like, swimming pool water here, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, this did not like our water back home. And I bring friends with me, and they're like, you swim in this? Like... Are you sure this is safe? I'm like, no, not really, but I mean, we just do. And jump in there. I don't care what I need to jump into. I'm jumping in to get cured. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Pharaoh the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could not wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Because God is working on Naaman. God isn't just about to heal Naaman. God's doing something in Naaman's heart. Listen, I want you to know wherever you are in the process, God's not just taking you to healing and using people to do it. He's working on you on the inside. He's got you in a process. And part of the process is getting the healing inside of your heart that he wants to give you externally. We go to God for forgiveness. We go to people for healing. Our healing is a process that we walk out with people. Our healing is a process that we can't get alone. Naaman couldn't sit at home and just go, okay, God, please heal me. God had to send him on a process. And listen, if Naaman couldn't do it then with Elijah, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, me and you aren't going to do it now alone. We've got to find a way to do life with people and walk on this process and this journey so that we can find healing in the areas that we need healing in. We've all got them. We've all got those areas that you need healing in. When I say it, you think of it. Maybe it's something that happened to you as a child. Maybe it's a relationship that you walked through that scarred you. Maybe it's something that you encountered that, that wounded who you were, that changed your personality, that flipped some switch inside of you, that you go, before that, I was different. Before they hurt me, I was different. Before this thing happened to me, before God let this, before so-and-so died, before, before any of this happened, I was different. And now It hurts. It hurts. It's one of those wounds that every time someone brings it up, you just don't, you, you know, you know what I'm talking, you know the ex that you see sometimes and it just hurts. Maybe y'all don't have them. Only, I, I've got a few exes, okay, and all my exes live in Texas. <laughs> true story. One of my exes, this is a true, honest to God story. Strike me dead if I'm lying. I promise I'm not making this up. Sometimes people go like, do preachers make up stories? No, not this time, okay. We move into our house. There is a girl that I was foolishly engaged to when I was like 19, okay, like I don't even know if that counts. And we're going to run away together, we're going to get married, whatever. Thank you, Jesus, that he spared me from my own foolishness. We move into our neighborhood. This is, I'm, I'm 32, so I'm bad at math, but whatever 19 to 32 is, this is a lot of years later, okay. We move in to our neighborhood here. I've, she's not from Houston, I'm not from Houston. We have both lived a billion other places. I'm moving to my neighborhood. We're here a week. My wife comes in from jogging and she walks in and she goes, you're not gonna believe what just happened. I'm like, no clue, okay. She's like, look out the window. So I look out the window and she's like, do you see that? I'm like, I see, yeah, who is it? She goes, it's like a mom pushing a stroller, okay. I'm like, okay. She goes, you know who that is? No clue who that is. She's like, that's your ex-girlfriend. I can not stare That's her. That's your. Ex- she might come to the church one day. That's your ex-girlfriend, and I'm like, that's there's there's no way. Like you sure? Like that looks like her? She's like she lives like four houses down from us. I'm like, there is literally no way. I'm telling you, I said, how do you, okay, you think, tell me what, you think it looks like her, what happened? No, we're talking, I'm, I'm jogging, she's walking, I'm stretching, she just goes, hey, beautiful day, yeah, beautiful day, we start talking, and she's telling me, you know, what do you do, my husband's starting a church, oh, well, that's cool, she goes, we, you know, they, they are in the church world, and they're kind of, she's talking about who we know, and all of a sudden she goes, who is your husband? And she says, well, Christian Aranza, and she goes, from Lafayette, Louisiana? She goes, yeah. She goes, I'm instead her name that used to date Christian. And Alex is like, oh, that's awesome. Where do you live? Right there. I text. I text my best friend, and I said, you are not going to believe what happened just now. What are the odds? Like, really, what are the odds? And his response was, come on, dog, we both know you. The odds are pretty good. (laughs) The moral of the story is, when you see someone, when you see those relationships, it doesn't matter if it's down the street or if it's in your hometown, that have hurt you, that have wounded you, And you see them all of a sudden, and now there's a flash that comes back to you of everything they ever said that hurt you. Everything they did that scarred you. Every moment you spent with them that you felt like was a lie. It's a wound, and it's a hurt, and until God can deal with it, it doesn't matter if they're living across the country or in your neighborhood. It will always hurt the same. Until God can heal your heart. Why? Because we need people to get the healing. 2 Kings 5, 10-14. So, he goes, he goes there, he gets mad, goes off, in a range, uh, he goes off in a rage. He carried a secret under his armor that he didn't want his men to see. Why was he mad? He was mad because he knew in order to go to the Jordan with his men, dip in the waters, he would have to strip before all the men that had come with him. He would have to take off his armor. They would have to find out his secret too. They would have to know, oh, man, this guy we've respected, this guy we've honored, this guy we have thought is awesome, this guy that we've been a fan of. All of a sudden, we realize he's not as awesome as we thought he was. He's he's human, too. Because when he's riding the horse and when he's going into battle and when he's winning these victories and when he's standing before the king, there's something about that that when you only see the external part of people, you think everything's awesome, that they're not human, that they don't struggle like you struggle. But in order for his healing to happen, Naaman would have to strip before his men. What is the process? We gotta ask ourselves why the process? Manuel, you can come as I close. Why the process? I believe that when he stripped before his men, it was a part of God doing what only God could do inside of him. It was him humbling himself before his men, going, hey, I'm, I'm the same as you, I got issues too. And listen, I don't care who you look at and who you respect and who you revere and who you. All of us have issues. All of us got junk. None of us walk out of here perfect. None of us have the perfect life. And I think the temptation sometimes is to glorify people in our mind and go, well, yeah, if I had their life though, then I could live the way that they live. And it's just not true. We all got issues. God made it that way so that we needed each other. So that you could sit down across from me and go, hey, I'm struggling with something. And me go, oh, awesome, I've struggled with that. Or I'm struggling with that. Or I used to struggle with that. Or let me show you what I did. Or Because we need people to get the healing in our lives. But it takes us stripping off the armor on the outside. It takes us putting aside our pride and going, hey, you know what? I'm okay with stripping down. I'm okay with dipping in the river. I'm okay with doing whatever it's got to take for me to get my healing. Because I don't know about you, but I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be whole. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to find healing. I'm willing to do whatever I got to do to be whole and healthy. And oftentimes it's easy for us to relate it physically when we look at our physical body and go, yeah, if I was sick, I would do anything I needed to to be well. But we don't want to do it with our spiritual body. We don't want it to go, okay, I've got some spiritual hurts. I've got some spiritual wounds. I've got some emotional things I'm working through. But we like to hide those because those are ugly. No one wants to know about the secrets that we carry. Let me tell you, that's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy to keep you from walking in freedom and in healing. It's a lie from the enemy to keep you trapped with your own secrets. To keep you locked up and you handcuffed. You know what happens when you get real with people and you take the mask off and you go, hey, here's what I'm struggling with? You're going to be shocked at the people that go, me too, I'm struggling with the exact same thing. Man, I never would have guessed. Man, I never would have thought you would have wrestled with this. Man, I never would have thought you'd walk through this. Man, I never would have thought you had this hurt or you had this wound. At the end of the day, all of us have our issues. But we got to strip off the armor. He carried his secret under his armor. He wanted a healing, but God wanted to humble him. He wanted a healing in his body, but God goes, I've got to make you humble first. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What does humility look like? Humility looks like sitting down across from somebody in a small group going, hey, me and my wife aren't doing that good. we got some issues we got some things we need some help with. Hey, my personal life, man, I'm I'm really struggling, man. My thought life is, I I need some help. I need some accountability. Man, my insecurities, God, I just don't know why this keeps catching me. I don't know why I keep getting tripped up on this. I, I need some help. Humility looks like when we sit down with other people that God designed to put in our process and go, hey, I need help too. I need help too. And it's in the humbling of ourselves that God goes, now I can heal the things that are in you. Because if I just healed them but didn't change you and connect you with people, you'd end up there again. You'd end up there again. If you, didn't get, if you got healing from the bad relationship but you didn't have friends to stop you from getting in the next bad relationship, you'd keep ending up there again and again and again. You need the healing, but you also need God's people to look at you and go, hey, don't be stupid. We've walked this road before together. Let's not go down that path again. Let's not get ourselves there again. You know what happens when we act this way. You know what happens when we do this. Let's not go there again. You need the healing, but you need the people even more. As we go through life, we learn, and sometimes we think we're too smart to do this with other people. We're too smart, we know enough now, we've learned enough now to be, able to, to be able to guide ourselves, to be able to put barriers on ourselves, to be able to make it happen ourselves. But I want you to know, your competence can't cover your condition. Your competence, your intellect, your what you know, your knowledge, your smarts can't cover the condition that all of us have. And the condition that all of us have is that we're all fallen, we're all messed up, we all have issues. But when we do life with people and when we get healing and salvation from Jesus, we're able to walk this life out in freedom. All of next month's going to be a whole series on finding freedom, on bringing freedom to those areas of our lives. But it begins with you connecting with people. It begins with you being vulnerable with people. And I get it. Vulnerability is scary. I mean, vulnerability is very, very scary. Women, y'all know, because y'all are naturally vulnerable. Men, we're like, what does that even mean? Because we've never let ourselves be vulnerable, so we don't even know that that could be scary. Like, we just don't, that's not how we roll. But I remember sitting down for the first time, being vulnerable and going, hey, I've got some stuff that I don't know how to deal with on my own. I've got some issues that I can't fix on my own anymore. I've got some secrets that I've been sick with for a long time, and I don't know how to deal with them anymore. And I need some help. And sitting down across from someone who loved me enough to go, I've been there. We're going to get through this. You're going to make it. God's got a plan for your life. It's not over. Your journey's just beginning. You're in the process. You're going to be okay. God's using you. He's going to use your story. How do you know today? All of the junk that I had in my past, God uses each and every one of those stories to help bring freedom. Freedom and healing to people's lives. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's just because I'm in the process. It's not because I'm a pastor that I get to use my stories to bring healing. It's because I submitted to the process. You have a process that God wants to take you on of finding healing with people so that you can bring healing to people. Finding healing with people so that you can bring healing to people. Because someone needs your story. Someone needs your journey. Someone needs your scars. Someone needs your wounds. And through them, not only will you find healing, but you'll bring healing to the world around you. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful, God, that that our pain isn't purposeless. That the stories we walk through, God, the scars that we carry, the things we deal with, God, they're not purposeless that you're using them all, that in the process you're growing us, in the process you're joining us in relationship, in the process you're bringing people into our lives, in the process you're putting us in people's lives, and that our pain isn't purposeless, God, that you want to use our stories not only to change us but to change the world around us. God, just as Naaman finally went and submitted and dipped seven times, you healed him God, I pray this year is the year that we submit to the process. That we give in to the process, God. That we finally go, you know what? I can't do this thing on my own. I need God, and I need God's people. Today, God, I ask that you would just bring humility to our hearts. God, that you would let people know that you're not scared, of their sin. You're not scared of their wounds. You're not scared of their past. You're not scared of their scars. All you want from us is vulnerability and humility, God. Today, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, God, that through this small group semester, relationships would be formed, lives would be changed, best friends would meet, And, God, we realize as we do relationships in life together that we're bringing healing to a hurting world. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here that say, Christian, I've never encountered the first part of what you're talking about, Jesus healing my heart, Jesus bringing salvation to me, Jesus setting me free. I've never experienced even that part, Christian, but today I want to. Maybe you've encountered church, you've encountered religion, but you've never encountered a relationship with a God who isn't, a, who isn't afraid of your sin, who isn't scared of your scars, who's not worried about your past but died for your past, That wants a relationship with you, that wants to walk life with you, wants to join you in relationships with friendships that can help you through this process. If that's you today, every head bowed, every eye closed between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you today and you say, Christian, today, I want to begin that process. I want to begin my journey with Jesus. I want to make that decision today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up for me so I can pray with you? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Today we're going to pray, and we can pray together as a church. You can say this out loud. You can whisper it. You can say it in your heart. As long as you mean it, that's what's important. If you would repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, today I realize how bad I need you. That I need your healing. I need your salvation. I need you to set me free. Today, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you came down to earth to live a perfect life. And then you died the death that I deserved to pay for my sins to cover my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to, and I believe that you rose from the dead to bring freedom to me so that I could walk a life living free. Today Jesus, I choose you, I give you my life, and I commit to follow you all my days. Now, Jesus, I just pray for every single person who prayed that. God, I pray you would seal it in their hearts. I pray that they would begin an intimate relationship with you, God. I pray that you would speak to them like only you can. Refresh them like only you can. Fill them with your peace and your joy and your love and your hope and your provision like only you can, oh God. We trust you, Jesus, that as they take a step towards you, that you embrace them, that you've been waiting for them. And like your scripture says, that God, when one lost one comes in, that all of heaven rejoices. Let them feel that joy and that pleasure that you have in them, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, would you give those that just made the greatest decision into their lives a hand? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I encourage you, jump in a small group. You can sign up online. We've got the, the directories on all our social media stuff. You go on there, click on it we've small groups for anything you want to do and if there's not one on there that you see jump on in with any of them and you can start one next semester we do a marriage small group in my house it's a lot of fun i encourage you come it's like pg triple x you would love it and um, it is we have a we have a blast it's 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 people being real and vulnerable and um, i encourage you man jump in do life with people it's not as scary as you think it's not as scary as you think We're all normal. I beat my kids like you beat your kids. You know, me and my wife fight like y'all fight. Like everybody's got issues. But when we do it together, this whole process becomes much easier. So, hey, um, we will have part four of relationships next week. Super excited about that. If you came prepared to worship with your giving today, we got three ways that you can do that. You can give in an offering envelope. When you, when, when you put your connection card in the, I always forget to say this. I'm so glad I remember this right now. When you put your connection card in the offering bucket, there's a spot that if you made a decision for Jesus, check that. We would love to get you some more information. My team gets mad at me because I never say that. So, boom, I win today. Uh, you can go online at valerisechurch.com, click the giving link, or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296. We're so grateful. You guys are such a generous church. None of this is possible without you. When I talk to my other friends that have planted and when I look at, you know, we compare numbers and how we're growing and all these different things, you guys are such a generous church. And I'm so grateful to pastor people that believe in the vision of what God's doing at Valley Rise and allow us to continue doing this. And One day we will look around and there will be people full in this whole place. And it will be because of you. It will be because of your generosity and your sacrifice and your hearts. So thank you. Thank you for investing in the future of what God is doing, not only in Valley Rise, but in this city and in this country. I'm going to bless this, and then we'll get out of here. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you, God, that as we bring our tithes to you, our offerings to you, God, that you're so faithful to return it a hundredfold. I pray that you would bless each and every person today, God, that you would return it to them, not only financially, but in joy and in peace and in hope and in love, God, in relationships and in your provision. God, we're so grateful for people who are committed to building your kingdom. Today, God, we just bless you. We give to you, Jesus. We just say we love you so much. Everything we have is yours already. We love you. We pray that you would seal this up in our hearts this week, God, that we would go and have the best week of our lives. Bless our people. Watch over them. Protect them and keep them. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Church. We hope you enjoy today's message, and we'll see you soon.